0: Welcome to episode 120 of the Women of the Military podcast. This week, my guest is Graciela Tiscanero-Sato. She was actually on my podcast in season one, episode 29, and she shared her military story of being an Air Force navigator then. Through that interview, we got connected and we've stayed friends and collaborated on a few different projects, and last year, she Released her book, Brand Before Your Resume. And since I'm doing podcast episodes twice a week, I've decided to reserve some extra time to do some deep dive topics on things that I think both women veterans need to hear and people who are joining the military, and I think everything that's in Grace's book Brand Before Your Resume is so important to hear and to talk about, so we decided to have a conversation about it, and I really loved how it turned out, and Graciela was generous enough to be on camera for this interview, so this episode is also on YouTube, and you can watch the full interview with both of us on YouTube on the new Women of the Military YouTube channel you can catch newest episodes for the podcast on youtube as well most of them won't have video it's something that i'm working my way up to and so maybe in the spring we'll see more on youtube but just wanted to let you guys know that you can watch the video there if you want to you're listening to Season 3 of the Women of the Military Podcast. Here you will find the real stories of female service members. I'm Amanda Huffman. I am an Air Force veteran, military spouse, and mom. I created Women of the Military Podcast in 2019 as a place to share the stories of female service members past and present with the goal of finding the heart of the story while uncovering the triumphs and challenges women face while serving in the military. If you want to be encouraged by the stories of military women and be inspired to change the world, keep tuned for this latest episode of Women of the Military. Grace, I'm so excited to have you on today. We met when you were on my podcast way back in the first year, and so I'm excited to have you on. I think you're my first repeat full interview guest. I just did a podcast earlier this month with some of the women who were on, and we did like six six interviews, but this is my first repeat guest. And so I'm really excited. And the reason that I asked you to be on the podcast is because you released a book that I think everyone should read called Brand Before Your Resume. And so let's talk about how that book came to be. And and then we'll go from there.
1: Yeah, well, first, uh, what an honor to be a repeat um, guest on on your podcast and look at look at you, look at what you've built since then, right? I was actually looking back at, at the uh, episode, you know, getting booked on another podcast, they were saying, you know, where have you appeared before? And I remember like, wow, I had to go way back <laughs> to the beginning of your season because you've created so much since then. So, you know, hats off to you first for everything you've done since our first chat. So yeah, Brand Before Your Resume. You know, it's the book I should have written years ago, but I was too busy actually doing the authentic personal branding workshops to ever sit down and and write the book. But it's based on a process that I've been teaching at university campuses and veteran serving organizations and public libraries for community members and and places where community members, military veterans, and transitioning military meet and spouses, of course. And, And what it is, it's It's the written form of the process that starts with a person. And it is my philosophy based on life experience that before you can go out into the world and impress people to, you know, get an interview or even to ask to be asked for your resume is you have to say something unique and grab people's attention. You have to cut through the noise and say something profoundly interesting so that people go, whoa, tell me more about that. And and by the way, do you have your resume? Because my cousin over at wherever is hiring. That's what you want versus sitting by yourself all day with generic resumes and uploading them like too many people do, right? So it's, it's my philosophy that if we adopt a marketing mindset first and actually understand what that means, that it doesn't, you know, it's not talking about yourself and bragging, it's matching interesting bits about yourself. You know, First going inside yourself and thinking about yourself and your achievements and what you've done and, and not being afraid to bring those out, but then not to start communicating until you really stop and think about who needs to hear this message. And that process is what I've been teaching in the workshops for student veterans and first generation students and Latinx students and corporate professionals for eight years now. And then I turned it into an online course. And then when COVID happened, I was like, so I'm not traveling <laughs> as much <laughs> anymore, and now the work continues. You know, the different universities were able to pivot and then continue doing the professional development workshops for the students. But I had the time, Amanda, to finally sit down and transcribe the entire online class into a book. And a lot of people make a book and then they make a class, but I had the class first. So it was like transcribe everything I teach in the class and then actually structure it, the visuals, and then really go through that brainstorming process that I'm sure we'll talk about. But that's how it started. It's It's literally the written form of the workshop I've done to serve thousands and thousands of people around the country.
0: That's awesome. And one of the things I think that I found most interesting was how counter culture it was to everything I learned in tap class. Instead of being like, in tap class, it was like, everybody was like, go, go, go. And your book was like, the first thing I did was stop and think about what I want to do. And I think for me, when I transitioned, I stopped because I became a stay at home mom. And I had the option and the time to figure out what I was passionate about. And so I started this hobby that turned into a business. And now I'm doing something I love. But had I just Gotten out of the military, I would have been a civil engineer and I never would have gone through that process of discovery, which you talk about. So, why was that process of discovery so important for you? Ooh. Well, you know, I, I'm just sitting here
1: reflecting on what you just said. Counterculture. To the tap class, I think I'm going to start using that. <laughs> it's like if you've been through the tap training, then you know that the counterculture is something you need to go find out about. I, I love that. That's a that's a great tagline. I just borrow that and quote you. No, it's, seriously, that was my intention because when I was going through the transition, I was hearing that, and I was hearing this whole push to do a resume. Because I think they were just assuming that I was going to be a navigator in the civilian world. (laughs) What were they thinking, right? Like there is no, there's not even a such thing, right? So how do you do a resume for a new world, a new organization that you don't even know what that is? You've never been there. You might not even know people working in that new place that you think you might want to go to if you've had that thought at all. Right. So why was it important to me? Well, it was the, the women veterans that I talk about in the book who basically were, I, I always called them. This is my real transition assistance program. I hear what you guys are doing, what the women were doing for me. And I'd go to the TAP class because I basically hooked up with them the last six months, just, you know, same timing. And. I just couldn't believe it. You know, I couldn't believe the, the, the contrast. And so they're like, what are they going to do? Like grade you on if you bring back a resume? I'm like, I don't have a resume. (laughs) Like like, don't do a resume. You're not ready. Right. And so they sat me down and they're like, here's what I remember. They said, they said, you have so much energy, so much talent, so much heart, but you have no idea what even exists out here for you. And I remember being told, well, what do you mean? I don't know. Right. Like I'm an adult. I had no idea. I mean, my world was very small. It was military aviation and deployments and getting my master's degree and you know, in that in that cocoon. And so having them tell me to just stop, you need to now do a self-assessment and understand the person that you are now and what matters to you because you're not the same person you were when you went in. Right. And having somebody actually say that in that language, that was so important, so eye-opening. And I realized that, yeah, they were right. I didn't know what was important to me anymore. You know, I was just doing my daily thing. So that's why it's important in Amanda just to, to have somebody, you know, maybe it's us. It's this podcast. So someone says, no, just stop. Do not speed ahead into the unknown and end up somewhere that you're going to hate in a year or two. Because, you know, a lot of people do that. What is it? 50% of transition to veterans who end up in a corporate role leave in a year. That's not a good statistic, right? And that's indicative of the go, go, go. And, you know, the way that they're pushing you because they want their metrics, right? To measure how successfully they've placed veterans. But if you want to be happy, then please stop and look inside yourself. And and that's I share that because that's what I did. And I would never have done that because I was in the go go culture and that's my personality. So I think it's really important to have those mentors who can look at you very honestly and say, no, the most important thing you should do is just stop and then let's assess ourselves. And, you know, very importantly, it's not an ASVAB assessment. It's not your skills, right? It's you already know your skills. It's not that. It's more of, you know, what kind of people do I like to work with? Do I like to work in big groups, little groups? Do I want to be the, you know, the the big dog and the leader don't want to be the big fish in the little pond or the little fish in the big pond. Don't want to hide. What kind of work is important? And so these, these questions that, um, that were in the self-assessment that they put me through really opened my eyes to, and you're going to laugh, okay? I'm going to say this because it's mili- the military community. <laughs> the thing I will never forget from that self-assessment, you know, after a decade of service, literally it's said in the self-assessment. You can succeed in a highly, in a very highly hierarchical organization, but you'd be going against your very nature to do so.
0: Wow. And
1: I remember going, wow, that explains all those times I got called into the commander's office for being you know, too vocal for being a captain, right? And it was true. It's like one of the things that came out at assessment is, yeah, you can be in that kind of structure, but it's just, <laughs> you're going against your very nature.
0: I want to stop you because it reminds me of a story from the interview on the podcast when you got to pick your plane, but women couldn't be in fighters and so you were like I want to be in a fighter and they were like you can't lieutenant you're like I know but I want you to know and that just goes right into your personality
1: right you know the the correct behavior they would have expected is that the lieutenant knows the rules and she knows that you know combat exclusion is a thing and that combat jets aren't for women and that she should just you know ask for something else but I was never that compliant and um so yeah that's so funny that you remember that (laughs) That was so,
0: I, I mean, that part of the conversation has stuck with me because I would never have done that. I would have been like, I'm a little airman or a lieutenant and I'm supposed to do what I'm supposed to do and I know the rules. And so to hear you say that you like stood up and stood up for what was right and made a statement that way, I was like, that's so awesome.
1: Well, I think it's it, it comes back from my my whole rebellious way I grew up in my Mexican culture, right? I was supposed to be a compliant quiet little girl and I never was, and I think that's just an extension of that. But yeah, and you know, what's funny that since since that conversation a year ago uh, right before we went into the whole shutdown, I was at the Women Aviation International conference and I got to meet the first woman who actually did select a combat jet just a year later, right? A year and a month after my uh, situation. She was Lieutenant Jeannie Flynn at the time. And she's now three-star general Jeannie Levitt. And she was running all of their Air Force recruiting service. And now she's running all the air education training commands. So I got to meet her at the conference, my Shiro, you know, from from back when we were both serving. It's so cool. So yeah, yeah. It's, um, it's, but it's the same thing. It's the same thing. It's that desire to know yourself and to know that you know you've had these experiences now by the time you're transitioning you probably (laughs) if you're listening to this podcast chances are you've had an experience like we're talking about you've had to stand up for something right and and so what does that mean going forward does that mean that you want to be in a situation where you could continue to have a chip on a shoulder and you have to stand up and you know continue rebelling. Or maybe it's time that you make a different choice and a different kind of organization so that you're more aligned, your values are more aligned and your personality is more aligned with who you now are. And that's, I think that's a really good way to summarize why it matters, right? Because you can continue to be in organizations where you're going to keep smashing your head on the wall, or you can go, "Mm, I don't want to do that anymore. You know, let's try another way to work. And thank God I had people that made me stop and really think that through before I wrote a resume before I went to a job fair yeah
0: yeah it's so important and i think the military it pushes you to be on that path of go 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 and they don't they don't want you to stop Partly, I always thought it was because of like the emotions. I felt like when I left the military, I had all these emotions come up about like not being part of the service, not having a mission. And so I felt like they were pushing me to get a job to fill that void. And I think that's some of it. But it's interesting that it's also so they can like have their shiny metrics and like it's not it has nothing to do with you and what's best for you.
1: It's true. It's true. And obviously, you know, they don't want people to be in a long-term unemployed situation because then, you know, that does cause emotional problems and mental health issues. And yes, that's all true. Right. But it's the way that it's done. I mean, the the people that were taking care of me on the outside, the basically the Julia Hubble and Justine Tanabe, you know, who are both military veterans themselves, one six months ahead of me and one from Vietnam era. So she'd been in 20 years ago. Right. And this is her networking group of professionals. And then the captain who had just gotten out six months before me is the one who brought me in and having them really say, you know, the most important thing you can do right now is to make a decision that's going to set you up for, you know, this kind of salary that you want for the next decade of your life or 20 years, whatever you're going to do and the kind of work that matters to you because you've already, you know, sacrificed so much and given so much just by being in the service. So time to be a little introspective and, you know, really draw some boundaries and make your wishes known so that you end up somewhere that you want to be. And, and that's not what TAP was saying at all. And so they had my best interest at heart. Of course, they did not want to see me long-term unemployed either, but their approach... The method, you know, which again comes back around what we're talking about, the way that I approach it, the method by which you help someone transition makes all the difference in the world and how they see themselves during the transition and then ultimately where they end up.
0: Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's so good. And I mean, it it just adds more depth to the book because I've already read the book and I was just reading it and was like, this is so good. <laughs> People need to hear this. Well, and I, I guess, you know, what is it
1: that that you that you liked most about it? Like, what is it that struck you when you read it? I'm curious.
0: I think it was the, tra- the untraditional or the c- counterculture approach of looking at transition and like stopping. I don't think I realized it until you talked about like the military is like, go, 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 get the mission done, do whatever it takes. And so I think that when you stop, you can figure out what you really want to do. And my husband is still in and he's like five or six years away from t- retirement. And I'm already talking to him now about like, start dreaming big. Like, don't put yourself in a box because the military puts you in this box. And this book talks about how like, there is no box or box it's whatever. No <laughs> yeah. And so I think it's just a whole like culture shift and, and the importance of like doing that personal work and it, it really validated what I'm doing today. I think that's why I liked it so much. Yeah.
1: Well, thank you. You know, my favorite thing is the 20, I need to go back and count them, 25, 28 examples uh, of personal branding that has been developed and written by people like you and me you know, by veterans, by military spouses um, that have been through the training and the coaching and highlighting the examples so that people in transition, you know, maybe just for the first time, like your husband in a few years, right? Or people who lost their job in the, you know, this time, or maybe people who want to transition and are afraid to, like, because you're not going to be in the same job forever. I mean, this, (laughs) this is something I hope everybody is clear on. So anybody in a transition can use this repeatable process and be inspired by the stories that veterans have developed and what they've chosen to bring forward into the next phase. And the very specific examples that they chose from their professional experiences and their personal lives to reveal for a particular target audience. And those examples... Are really unique, and that's a lot of the message that I put forth in the world. It's the first marketing guidebook written by a veteran, featuring twenty plus examples of personal branding. You know, written by veterans. That's unique. That has not been done before. And bringing those examples into the world is really important for us, so we can see, wow, look at the way veterans are talking about themselves. Right? Look at the work that Raul did to be able to say that about himself. You know, he doesn't sound like a you know grunt Marine guy. He doesn't sound like that at all. He sounds like an aspiring engineer who now has been very successful and he's working at two different companies, (laughs) like he's doing half and half trying to figure out what he was going to do next while finishing school. And so when we see those examples from our own community, I think there's nothing more inspirational to help us understand why it's important to follow these processes.
0: Yeah, it's so important. And it and I like that you can use it, not just transitioning out of the military, but like as a business owner or as just an employee, pivoting is a part of life. You don't know what's going to happen. You could have kids, you could move and like military spouses move all the time. And so I like that it's a repeatable process and that you stop and see how has your life changed? Are you the same person? Are you going to the same path that you wanted to go to, or do you need to stop, reevaluate, and pivot? Yeah, well, and and the the exercise
1: that I do in the workshops and the class and the, it's now written in the book. That exercise, it is, and I say this all the time. It's like I'm not just going to help you create your branding for right now. I mean, I the, what I care about is that you know I'm 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 teaching you to fish. Because you're going to need this again later because, you know, if if you start a business or if you move and it'll, it'll happen, right? You can come back and, and it won't be as scary because you go, oh, okay. I just need to come back and think, okay, what? are the most interesting things that I'm doing now that showcase my talents? You go through those questions again and you're going to have different answers in three years than you have today because you're going to have done different things and be a different person. And that is what I care that people learn It's the marketing mindset. It's a repeatable process that marketing professionals use every time that they're tasked with launching a new product or a new service. You go right back to the basic things of what is the essence of what we're doing? What is different about this You know, product or service. It's the parallel, you know, what the exercise is. It's a parallel of the process that we use in corporate marketing to brand and message whatever we're launching. And that's, that's what I'm bringing with this book is all that decade of corporate marketing experience that I had after the Air Force before I started my business and being able to take those processes and the methods and apply them to a person. To bring out those attributes as I like to call it I like to use that marketing language you know what are the product attributes that you may wish to reveal and that's the introspective work that if you're just jumping into resumes and starting to plug them in then you missed it and then I don't know what it is that you're hoping is going to happen because you're not telling a story that's unique and amazing and it you know that's not how people get hired and, and get noticed right and so that that is really important so thank you for focusing on the fact that it is a
0: repeatable process super important. Yeah. And the other thing, you can use it for different stuff. Like you mentioned launching a product. So it's not just for launching yourself into whatever job you want, but also like you use this process for your book when you launched it. And so yeah, that's a great connection.
1: And, and it is because it is rooted in the marketing mindset. And I have to stop and explain in the book what that is, you know, because a lot of people think that marketing is advertising. A lot of people think that marketing is selling and that's not what marketing is, right? And so I always have to stop and I do this in the workshop and explain what the marketing process is and how it intersects with sales and advertising. But the truth is that no one's going to be selling and advertising until the marketing work is done. Right. I mean, that's it. So, so the branding and the introspective work and the, the hard work of the marketer and the target audience and understanding what matters to them and how do I get through to their minds, that always precedes. A website, launching any product, writing a press release, those things are the deliverables, right? That's what you create once you have your message and you know what the best things are of your product and you've looked at the competitive landscape and you and you know how you're going to distinguish yourself, right? Then you go create those things. And what do we do in TAP is we say, go create your deliverable first. Go write a resume and go do a LinkedIn profile. And you're back, you're like, well, what am I selling? I don't know. So, you know, it's funny because entrepreneurs, when I do this workshop for entrepreneurs, and I did this at um, downtown San Francisco in the WeWork building when I was in the Bunker Labs Better residence program, I went ahead and held one of these workshops for everybody in the WeWork community in San Francisco. So I had this room full of entrepreneurs and I'll never forget because it's like it always happens. When I just pick someone, I'm like, okay, who has already launched their website? And so this woman comes up and she had a cannabis brownie business. And so I said, show me your website. So she shows it and I said, Show me the part where you tell us your story as the founder. You know, because I was curious to know, like, how did she just start to start this business? And she looks at me and she's like, Well, I don't have that. It's like, I just want you to buy my stuff. (laughs) So you don't want us to know anything about you or why you decided to start it or why we should buy from you versus the next cannabis store. You just want us to come here and buy your stuff. It's like, that's not how people buy things. Right. And so it's that very... That truth that anybody who's starting a business, the reason that you did it matters. The story of why you're doing it matters. That is your opportunity to do your branding as a founder and attract people to your business, right? Versus that you sound like every other person selling fill in the blank right? And that is a trend I've always seen. You know, when I taught at VY, women veterans who had businesses, I'd say probably maybe 30% of them had something on their website where they were branding themselves as a founder in the about section versus the about section is all about the stuff, right? And so that's another reason to be able to adopt this process is to go through the process, ask yourself the same questions, but now your audience is your prospective customers versus a hiring manager at a company when you're transitioning. And so that's key is that this process is usable at any of those points. So thank you for pointing that out.
0: Yeah, and just with the podcast, I was really surprised that people cared what I thought because I was just the the interviewer and I wasn't the person being interviewed most often. And like, sometimes I would do solo episodes and I was always surprised that people would listen to the solo episodes. And then it like made the connection that it's like, they know why I'm doing this. They want to hear my experience. And it's not just, they're not coming just for the interviews. They're coming to hear me interview the guest and add my little clips and then share my experience and and they know why I'm doing it and they know I'm passionate and and all that's out there and that's my branding and I, I feel like I've told the story of why I started the podcast a million times and every time people ask me, I'm like, how do you not know this? <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, and that's like, you know, welcome to entrepreneurship in the business world. It's a big, big world out here and you'll tell that story many times because A, it's intriguing, B, it's yours right. and C, it attracts people to you, right? And yeah, that's how... I, the important thing is that you got there, that you realize that your voice mattered versus the people who just struggle forever and a long time trying to figure out why is nobody buying my stuff? Why is nobody buying my book? Why is nobody buying my whatever? Like We don't know who you are. And we have all these other options. You know, Here's, a, here's the thing marketers love to say. Well, not enough marketers, but this is something I've always said, you know, we, when we do competitive analysis, you know, I was in technology. So you get these detailed matrices of how many channels of video conferencing our solution has versus Cisco versus Maya, Microsoft. So you do this technical analysis of competitive marketing so that you can say, well, you know, we really have more channels for video. It's like. That's nice, but does your customer care? Does the person buying it care how many channels? I'm like, what are you gonna do with 192 channels of video? I mean, really, what are you gonna do with that? Um, maybe now today we would, but you know, 15 years ago we didn't need 192 channels. So you you do this comparative analysis, right? But when you do it for yourself as a person, it's harder to do that. You know, it's harder to really try to get the details of what you're doing that's different. So instead of trying to evaluate 10 people that sound like you and doing a matrix, just tell your story tell your why, right? And and let that be the differentiator. Let that attract people to you versus, you know, all the other ways that you can try to compare, you know, which would be really hard to do as a person. So that that's an important part of it too. It's like compare, but not that way. <laughs> Just realize that you are already on your own so unique and your voice is outstanding and it matters. And that's how you attract people to yourself.
0: Yeah, that's so true. And I I get a lot of pitch letters on like their LinkedIn or via email and people are like, "This is my product." And I'm like, "I don't care." And like what you're saying makes so much sense because I'm like, "I don't care. Tell me about yourself." And like how you ended up where you are, and then have the conversation. So many people lead with the product and not with who they are and why they're doing it. And they're also pitching you without even
1: knowing what your podcast is, right? Right? Oh, right? Yeah. yeah. So, so that's that's classic. It's like, let me talk about my stuff. You know, it's the whole thing with the elevator pitch. Let me give you an elevator pitch, but I don't know anything about you. Why? Why do you waste your time? Because if you don't know your audience, then Whatever, however impressive you think your pitch is, you just missed because this audience doesn't care. And if you're pitching something that doesn't belong on women of the military podcast, then you don't care, right? And you also see their, their branding is now neg- negatively affected because they came to you with something completely ignorant of you as the audience. And so that's a really good example in reverse of why that person needed to do their homework about you and your podcast and what you care about and who you're interviewing. And then they need to tailor their message so that they're unique and differentiated in your eyes. And that my friend is marketing. And that takes a lot of time to really think about the audience and then come back and say, what value can I really add to her podcast? And then write your pitch, okay? People want to create one resume and feed it 500 times. That's what they're doing to you. And that's not marketing, that's spammy. Right. So that's actually a really good example of the process uh, that really requires that work, you know, inside yourself. But then you don't actually do the the branding itself until you think about your audience. Yeah, And in workshops, I like to walk the room and, you know, virtual, you know walk the room virtually. And people will always say, you know, student veterans, especially, you know, we're ambitious people. We have lots of things we want to do, right? Once you actually start thinking about what you can do next, like all these things become available and people are like, well, how do I choose one audience? I want to do this and this and this and this and this. And I go, okay, well, welcome to the club. That's, that's, <laughs> that's been my life. But for the purposes of you actually getting your branding done today and understanding how to get to the finish line, pick one. It doesn't mean that you have to do this and you're committed to this, right? It's like, I need you to choose one of these audiences so that now we can think about that audience and get this done. Because if you're trying to be all things to all people, you'll miss. And that is yeah. And that's hard for people, right? To just pick one audience, right? It's easier when you're in business because you know who you're trying to attract. You know, like if you're doing a pitch to get a sponsor, then that's your audience and you're very focused on that. You don't really care about impressing hardware store owners, right? Like it doesn't matter. So so that's really important to be able to have that focus. And um, that's actually a challenge for a lot of people is like, well, how do I pick? I'm like, I don't know, just pick one because you're going to learn the process. And then if next week you say, no, I don't really think I want to go work for a cloud computing company. I think I'd rather go work in a creative advertising agency. Okay. Well, just you already have all your stuff you might reveal. Go back to your exercise and now think about this audience and then choose different parts of what you came up with to pitch this direction. But you already have the core figured out because you did the introspective work. And then they go, oh, okay, I get it, right? And then they'll send me two versions. Well, this is the version. If I go do this, I'm like, awesome. Okay, now you get to pick what you want to put on LinkedIn so that you'll start attracting those people. And then if you change your mind in a year, change
0: it. Yeah, that's, it's so, oh man, it's so eye-opening. And even though I already, I know this stuff, but it's just so good to hear it again and to to think about people listening who are either about to transition or if they have transitioned and- I just really get frustrated when I talk about TAP because I was eight months pregnant when I went through TAP and I felt so out of place. I had to be there because the government made me be there, but it was a colossal waste of time. Right. And it was so frustrating. What, what's so interesting about that
1: also is how the military approaches it, like the difference between the different services, right? I was meeting with uh, a group, an innovation lab at Travis Air Force Base here in Northern California. And the colonel there that came to talk to us, he was saying, I'm trying to stand up something that some army bases already do. And what he wanted to do is when you put your paperwork in that you're leaving, instead of, I don't know what it was for you, but I know that I was deploying up until two weeks before I got out. I was in Malaysia two weeks before getting out of the military. So you are still being utilized as the aviator that you are, the engineer that you are, you know, wherever you are, because the mission continues, right? And we were so severely undermanned. I think we had 76% of our navigator manning and I was a senior instructor and everything. So they had me not only flying, but then they had me planning missions and that's what I was doing in Malaysia. So when am I supposed to really be networking and transitioning, Right. Because you're gone. And you've heard people deploy, come back, and then they have some mandatory couple of days to to transition back. And then they've got like two weeks and they get out. (laughs) So this colonel, what he was trying to do, and I'm still in touch with him, I hope he succeeds. He wants to actually have a transition squadron so that when you put your paperwork in, you get reassigned, you like PCA into this transition squadron. And then your job the next six months is to learn how to become a civilian. Like, oh, you mean like actually put time and training, like when they turned you into a military person, but actually put time and training into like bringing you back out? What a concept, right? So, but that's not what we have right now, right? We don't have that. And so then we end up having, you know, and the, the frustration that we share with TAP and just go on LinkedIn any day, you'll hear people complaining, right? People figure out after they've been through it, after they get out, they figure out everything they weren't taught. And what I always say is come back around, like who is in front of the classroom teaching you during TAP? Department of Labor employee more likely than not, uh, or somebody who's contracted by DOL because it's a DOL program, right? And for a long time, I was like, why are they making us go to the Department of Labor website and look at jobs that existed fifty years ago? Like, why are we? Doing? Right? What is going on? That's the whole metrics thing, right? What you don't have in front of you, Amanda, you don't have a person with a marketing mindset. You don't have a person who's even had to interview for a job in the last ten years, fifteen years. How long have they been? working off that script, right? And then and then what they're doing with the program is they're being told that this is what they have to teach. It's very, very scripted. So where is the real help that you need as somebody that's about to go to college, if you haven't been, or about to cross over into tech or leave aviation to go into cloud computing, which is what somebody I'm mentoring in the Central Valley is doing right now. She's a navy mechanic and she wants to go work for Google and cloud computing, right? Where are the people teaching you during TAP that have done any of that? They're not there. So that's where the rest of us come in, the rest of the network. And then my story of who helped me is, I mean, that's the long line of how we've successfully helped each other transition. It's that outside networking. And then during TAP, you just kind (laughs) of check. You just have to go through it. Like you said, the government put you there until until there's a new model, until that kernel succeeds and actually having all the people about to get out in the next six months in one place and he can really bring in professional development and he can bring in these mentors and he can get them away from the deployment schedule until he can do that, then, you know, it's not going to change. And then all of this other process that we're teaching because we're already out is even more imperative. So that's really, um, that's why the program doesn't change and and everything. And, And trust me, you know, with the work that I'm doing, I'm trying to figure out how to get into that program from a content Providing subject matter expert kind of way and the resistance to letting anybody in who's not already there, let's just say it's kind of high.
0: Well, and that's just so interesting to think about the fact that you, that. That's true. When I was in, even though I was pregnant, so I wasn't deployed, I was still doing my normal job up until the day that I like left the military. I was doing my like, out-processing checklist as I was still working on the job that I was doing until the final day that I was in. And then I transferred everything over to the next person. But when does that give you time to do all the things that you need to do to transition and, t- and to have the mental capacity to think about how can you stop and think about like, who do I really want to be when you're still doing that job that you're tracked to do? So, you know, what what's
1: the, uh that's kind of fun to think about. Imagine that, you know, you and I went to college and did ROTC. So imagine that now we have our commission and now we're in our first jobs in the Air Force, which for me was flight training and you were tech school of some kind, right? Imagine that you're doing that, but at the same time, you are still working at, you know, your local real estate office, earning a paycheck over there for 40 hours a week. But then they also, they're training you to become an engineer. So you're doing both. Like, you know, you have to still have your civilian job, but now we're teaching how to be a lieutenant and engineer. Or, you know, in my case, I would do that. And then I would like somehow sneak into my flight classes. That doesn't make any sense, right? Because, it's it's like double, double tasking your mind when your focus really at that time needed to be on learning to fly the airplane, learning your technology, learning your, your leadership, everything you're going to do. But <laughs> when you're getting out, it's like, you know, right up until the moment you walk out, they want you to still be doing that. And then hopefully you had enough time on weekends or evenings, right? You know what I would do with that group that I was talking about? The way I did it is the base was about... 12 miles from downtown Spokane. So I would drive during lunch, you know, like I wasn't there all day. Like if I was flying and my schedule was whacked, but if I wasn't flying that I had my, I was running the training flight for, for my squadron. So I'd be on base, but I would leave like 1130. I would drive in to downtown Spokane, be there by 12, meet with somebody at lunch for an informational interview that I'd been connected with one of the women in the group, have an hour long lunch and then turn around and drive back to the base. So I'd squeeze in probably at least one informational interview in person every week. And then I would do phone calls. And then once a month the group met. And so we'd have a lunch. So again, leave the base, drive in, have a lunch, drive back. So you're really squeezing it in. And then all of a sudden it's like, oh, 17 day mission to the Pacific, see ya, and I'd be gone. Right. So it's it's a time management exercise. You know, it's something that we've, you know, we've all had to do, but it's just an extra strain. To, uh, like, like you said, it's the mental strain where, like, you have to kind of put that in there and say, now, okay, now I got to get ready for this informational interview and ask intelligent questions about telecommunications operations. Um, So, yeah, it's hard. And that is why I'm forever grateful that I was encouraged to just stop and then do the the introspective work first. And, you know, I mentioned the women in the book because they literally, they were like the transformation, the two transformational angels that I needed at that very important time. And they were like, we're not going to let you do this by yourself. You're not going to fail. You're not going to end up somewhere. And I don't know if I put this in there, but I had told them, you know, what I really want to do is I want to make my way into the telecommunications industry. And I don't know what role fits me best. I'm in ops now, but what does that even mean in a corporate function, right? And... So they said, okay, we'll interview people and find out what they do. Okay. And I was very intent on the telecom industry for reasons that, you know, places I deployed and master's degree work I'd done. So when I started interviewing Amanda, I came back and like, hey, I just got a job offer with Allied Signal in Phoenix, Arizona. And they're like, what? (laughs) I thought you said you wanted to go to telecom. What are you doing talking to defense contractors? Like, "Uh, I don't know. I guess I just want to see how much I'm worth my top secret clearance because, you know, it was like the thing I thought I should do. And they're like, you said you wanted to work in Silicon Valley in the telecommunications industry. What are you doing entertaining, moving to Phoenix, working for a defense contractor? And so they were like my accountability partner. Like, what are you doing? Right. And so again, back to the introspective work, they'd heard me. They heard what I said was important to me, what I valued. And here I am off in the weeds, you know, just seeing if anyone's ever going to hire me again. And could I get a job offer? (laughs) And they were able to kind of pull me off the brink and I was able to say no to that job offer and know that the real one was out there for me and it was. Yeah. But that's the power of that group with you, right? That really is understanding your hearing your values because you've done that work.
0: Yeah, it's so true. And I I recently got a job, well, I interviewed for a job and it was totally not what I wanted to do, but I was like, I can get paid money. And, and my husband's like, but you don't want to do that. And I was like, oh yeah you're right (laughs) but it was just but like sometimes you get that like shiny object like oh this is the path of least resistance and like it's shiny and I want to go that way and then you have someone to hold you accountable for me it was my husband who's like but you don't want to do that and I was like but I'll make money and he's like I don't no, why that matters? And then our whole
1: lives would go into disarray with the childcare and the kids and uh, and you know everything. And it's like, is that really what you want? Like, is that the job you want to do that for? Again, that's the opportunity cost that we talk about. What does it cost you to go get that shiny object and that paycheck? What does that cost you with the rest of everything else that matters for you? And what do you value? Right? Wow. Well, lucky, lucky that he was there for you to to take you through that. You know, it's very tempting. And you know, we just celebrated 10 years in business in October, as you know, because you were at the party. But you don't get to the 10-year point in your business by letting shiny objects distract you. Okay. What you do is you entertain the shiny objects that are in line with your business. And I've, you know, I've gotten contract work and ghostwriting work that way, where the opportunity came and they wanted an employee. And I was able to say, well, I'll do that for you as a contractor because I already have a business, right? And so those opportunities are still worth looking at because the needs are making themselves known. But then where it is that you can add value and you want to do it, that's when you can say yes. And that's when you can generate some business for your business. And that is actually, let's, let's call it an entrepreneurial tip, right? It's keep your, keep your ear to the ground in terms of places that might want to interview you. But turn the conversation around and see if you can get it as a contract.
0: Yeah, that was the main thing. It was like an actual like employee based job. And like I was going to have to ask for time off and I was going to have no control over my schedule. And I was like, wait, 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 (laughs) slow down. Yeah. And then it made it all. And I knew that I wanted to have that flexibility with my schedule. And so when that flexibility was taken off the table and I was like, wait, it was really easy for me to make the decision. It just was funny. Yeah. Well, and, you know, I think you probably learned something by going through that process, right? Yes, I definitely did. Yeah. Yeah. And so
1: will you be repeating anytime soon?
0: Well, I think I still would. I think I would take what you just said, and I would listen and be open for interviews, but also know what I want. I want the flexibility. So when he asked me that question, I was like, oh, yeah, it would be okay. And said, now I know the answer. And so of been like, no, I don't want that. I want Well, and that's a really good
1: example of the introspection that we're talking about, that taking that time to say the most important thing for me right now, you know, because I need to be real is I need a paycheck and I'm willing to do whatever for the next six months that might be a reality at some point. Okay. Then, then know that, but then say that in six months, you know, within that time that I'm working there, you're not going to be your best employer. You're going to be like a paycheck collector, right? Because your heart's somewhere else. But if you know that going in, then that helps you to, because you know, it's like a, you know, short term situation and then you can be working on what you really want, but you can only do that if you've done that work to really understand what it is that you're looking for and what it is that you want bringing it back around to branding. And this is classic. I actually just helped somebody last week on LinkedIn with this. She was, there was some thread and someone says, yeah, it's so hard. I can't even get an interview. Right. And so I looked at this and it was a young Latina from San Diego state. She graduated from San Diego state. And I looked at her profile and I'm like, I have no idea what she's looking for. I'd love to say, Hey, I can help you with a connection, but I'm looking at her profile and I have no idea. She's got like the fellowship, the something fellow and the other fellow, like, you know, fellowship she's done. I have no idea what that even is. Right. And but she doesn't say she's looking for work in or as, or anything. So I don't know how to help her. And from a personal branding point of view, and coming back around to the women that helped me once you can articulate what it is that you are looking for next, even if you don't know anything about it. You know, like I was saying, I, I want to go work as a global marketing manager in a telecommunications organization. That's what I decided after interviewing ops and logistics and finance and everything. Like people are like, you are so clearly a marketing communications professional. <laughs> okay. And so now that I really see that, yeah, that is what I love, right? Um, now I can go talk to people who do that work. And once I can articulate that I'm looking for a marketing, global marketing, it was always for me global, a global marketing management position in a telecommunications company. Once I could say that, then guess what happened? My network's like, oh, well, you should talk to so-and-so at Avaya, they're hiring. And then my friend from the Cal band, the uh, saxophone player, she's like, oh my God, you're not gonna believe the job requisition I just wrote, here it is. And it was literally the job I was just describing. She had just written that job requisition and she was hiring for global marketing management at Siemens Enterprise Communications. And I was like, what? So literally, when you articulate what you want into the world, when you are branding yourself with your wishes and your goal and how you see yourself in the next phase of your life, that's when people can help you. That's when you attract the LinkedIn algorithms and that's when you attract the humans, right? And I've lived that multiple times, right? And so this woman who was saying, I can't even get an interview. I said, okay, well, um, I'm studying your LinkedIn profile and I have no idea what you're looking for. I don't know you, you're a stranger to me, but I like to help. So what, you know, and and so it's so basic, but she just thought if I throw these awards that I got, then people will know what I want. And that's not how it works. So that's, that's the core reason why that process that I'm teaching is so important because you're bringing what you bring to the table, your value, your experiences, your uniqueness, and you're marrying it up with that future vision of who you are to a specific audience that needs to hear it. And when you bring that together, which is what we did in this LinkedIn thread, I'm like, okay, so tell me, you know, tell me about these fellowships. What are they? So she's like, like okay. And so what do you want to do next? Do you see yourself in a hospital or like running a nonprofit or working for a congressman? Because I'm not following. So once she said it, I'm like, okay, well, there you go. This sentence here is your headline for LinkedIn. And the rest of this, develop it into a paragraph. And this could be the story you tell about why you should be called, right? For me, it's that simple to to cut through the confusion that people have about everything to try to communicate by asking some very pointed questions with my marketing mindset to get them to tell their story and at the end she was like oh my god now i understand because how could you how could you possibly know what i'm looking for i don't i don't know how you thought we could right but that's the frustration that so many of us have leaving the military or any transition, especially when, you know, we've talked, you're overwhelmed, don't have enough time. Maybe you're in a job you don't even like, you're trying to get out of it. Or in her case, you know, she's trying to finish up the last of her finals, but it comes back around to that is what is your unique story and who needs to hear it? And please tell us so we can help you.
0: Yeah. And I think that's a perfect way to wrap up the interview. So I want to give a chance to say your website and how people can get in contact with you if they want to learn more about this, besides getting the book, because you mentioned you have classes. And um, so let's talk about that. Well, we made it
1: easy. Just brandbeforeyourresume.com. And at brandbeforeyourresume.com, you will see a tab with a bunch of veteran testimonials in video and written format just talking about the training talking about what they learned talking about their experience and their success so definitely take a look at that uh the online class is also linked there also a list of clients and then the press release that we did for the launch you know i never told you what brand stood for i should just define that oh
0: yeah quick. yeah because yeah we blew yeah. right past
1: that <laughs> we blew right past it so When I was putting this together, okay, I wanted brand to be an acronym. There it is. So while you're holding it, I'll read it. I believe that you must brand, which means B is become, R is relevant, A is authentic, N is noticeable, and D is differentiated. So you must become relevant, authentic, noticeable, and differentiated before your resume. That's what it means. In other words relevant to your audience, authentic to yourself, you know, like don't lie to us and exaggerate, be really yourself because you're already interesting enough. Be noticeable, which means please, please step into the limelight. Please tell your epic story. And differentiated is please don't sound like everybody else. Figure out how to really stand out. So when you do that, this is effective marketing, grabbing people's minds with something that's unique and fascinating. The skills you learn here will serve you for decades.
0: If I thought I thought we ended it good with the last... was bit of advice, but I think that you outdid yourself. So thank you so much. This has been a great interview and I hope people listening can use the, well, first they need to buy the book and I'll have that linked in the show notes so that people can get it, but just use the information and the wealth of knowledge that you've given to help. And I'll also have the links to the website so that people can head up to the classes and check it out.
1: Yeah. And very importantly, you know, I'm doing group training. And so we do the group training for 60 minutes, you know, marketing mindset and uh, the exercise that we talk about. And then after that, then there's the option, which I think about hundred percent of the people will take me up on to actually have the one-on-one coaching so that you can take the brainstormed content that you put together in the group training. And then we sit down together for 45 minutes Literally, it's always an hour (laughs) because we talk, you know, about you and what you're doing next. And then by the time we're done, you have your branding completed. So that's how we do it. So no messing around, no dancing, no, um, you know, theory. It's all work to get it done. So that's the process.
0: That's awesome. Thank you, Amanda. Thank you so much. I really appreciate having you on.
1: Well thank you for sharing your stories of how you came to find your voice and your branding and tell your story it's it's a great example of you know the the power that you have when you decide to do it for yourself
0: to this week's episode of women of the military podcast do you love all things women of the military podcast become a subscriber so you never miss an episode and consider leaving a review it really helps people find the podcast and helps the podcast to grow are you still listening you could be a part of the mission of telling the stories of military women by joining me on patreon at patreon.com slash women of the military or you can order my book women of the military on amazon every dollar helps to continue the work i am doing are you a business owner do you want to get your product or service in front of the women of the military podcast audience get in touch with the women of the Military podcast team to learn more all the links on how you can support women of the military podcast are located in the show notes thanks again for listening and for your support